before it even taught me something, it actually led to something. And what this actually led to was, this led to increasing anxiety in me, increasing depression in me, and it started affecting my relationships in the home. And that's where panic attacks come in. Honestly, like if your nerves get so big, you will start to get panic attacks and you will experience very ugly things on the inside. experience this is something that I've learned very acutely myself over the last few years and I really just want to share it with other people because there are things that we do in our lives and we don't realize that they're actually contributing to our own anxiety or our own depression there's always external factors that contribute you know if you have financial problems relationship problems health issues these things are always contributing factors anyway right but there are certain thought patterns we have of our own there are certain personality traits I wouldn't call them exactly personality or character traits but there are certain habits that we have of our own but they are a direct contributor to our anxiety and depression even manic psychosis right so that's something that I want to talk about today and as I said it's a lived experience for me it's something that I started to understand very acutely over the last few years and I've realized that this is something that needs to be shared with people out there so that if I if I have been able to benefit from this then inshallah so can others so the way that this journey started for me is when the pandemic first hit in 2020, early 2020, there were a series of things that I was able to understand very early on, right? I was able to connect the dots about certain things very early on just because I have an interest and I have experience in macroeconomics. I have previous business strategy experience. So I'm able to, you know, my job's always been to connect dots. My job's always been to look at patterns. And because I've had so much experience in dealing with so many other people, I just picked up on certain patterns and things, right? But when when you've been blessed with a little bit of foresight and you've got a certain amount of experience in a particular industry or in a particular area, it can become very frustrating when other people don't see the things the way that you see them, right? If people don't have the same worldview as you, it can become really frustrating, and especially if you are coming from a place of genuine concern for others, right? Especially if you have genuine concern for humanity at large, or you have genuine concern for the Ummah at large, right? Then when people don't really share the same concern as you, they don't share the same worldview as you, or they're not able to understand the things that the way that you are, it can become really frustrating, right? And that's exactly what was happening to me. I was able to connect the dots on, on what was going on with the economy. I was able to understand. Timing's not really my forte, but I was able to understand that in a short amount of time, apart from all of the health disasters that we were facing with, right, we were about to walk into a major economic crisis. And we were. that was the beginning of our entry into a new world order at that time. But most people weren't seeing things the way that I was seeing them, right? So I was talking about these things on my Facebook, on my Instagram, I was posting stories, I was writing status updates. And I feel differently about this now, but at that time I felt like people weren't really appreciating what I was saying. The people weren't able to appreciate that I was coming from a place of concern and that I was coming from a place of wanting to inform the people and, you know, educate the people, right? I didn't feel like I was being appreciated for what I was putting out there because I was doing it out of concern. But nonetheless, I was saying all these things, they weren't being appreciated, they weren't being understood, and I just got more and more frustrated. And what ended up happening was, that ended up resulting in me getting more and more energetically louder on my Facebook posts. What I mean by that is that my posts became even more provocative. They became a lot more on the nose, they became a lot more blunt, they, they became more toxic as well. 
right? And that even though it was all from a place of concern and everything, they weren't pleasant to read these posts and people were, you know, it was they were basically just getting people's back up to just be real about the whole thing. You know, they weren't really being appreciated and people weren't really gelling with them very well. Even though what I was saying was factually quite true, even though what I was saying has now been proven to be true three years later, a lot of people are now saying, they do people say to me, especially on my Discord, people say to me, things that you were saying three years ago are now starting to come to the surface. Now they're coming true. And people who weren't prepared to agree with what you were saying then, they're going to have to bite their lips and they're going to have to eat their words because they're going to realize that that you were right all along. Right? So, I mean, that's all fair enough as, as things stand. But this all taught me something. But before it even taught me something, it actually led to something. And what this actually led to was, this led to increasing anxiety in me increasing depression in me and it started affecting my relationships in the home it started affecting my relationships outside even like you know in in a workplace or in a just in a social gathering I started becoming very miserable and I couldn't understand why if I'm somebody that is coming from a place of genuine concern and I know something I know something that is of of real effect to people you know is of, is of real concern to other people it, you know it should be it should be considered important to them why is it that I'm not getting taken seriously? And also, if I'm not getting taken seriously, why I'm almost getting mocked? Like, why is my reality being denied? I couldn't understand that. And that was making me feel more and more isolated. And it was, and I was getting more and more anxious and I was getting more and more depressed with the whole thing. And I just became very difficult a company for people. And things eventually got to a point where I started actually having panic attacks. I started having very difficult episodes, right? I became very confrontational with people. I just became no fun for anybody, right? Now, there were some uh, contributors to that that were biological contributors. I'd, I'd been misdiagnosed health-wise and uh, there were a couple of other things that were going on with my health. So they were a major contributor as well. But I can't solely uh, attribute just the biological factors to me becoming like this, right? There were emotional factors, if you want to call it that, emotional or psychological factors that contributed to all of this. And then after all this journey took place, eventually, you know, things started calming down. I managed to start to bring my health under control and I managed to understand what was going on with me. And I started to claw back this whole anxiety thing and this depression thing. And I started to, I managed to start clawing all of it back. Things got so bad, so extreme. I got to the point where I couldn't even watch TV. I couldn't, sometimes you just switch on the TV and just want to be able to enjoy a TV series or you just want to be able to enjoy a movie. I couldn't even do that. I couldn't actually take it in. And then I started to understand certain things. I had a conversation with my sheikh and he explained to me the relationship between the nafs and the heart and the ruh, right? Like, and he explained to me like the nafs, the ruh and the heart, they're essentially the same thing. You know, obviously the ultimate knowledge is with Allah, but what we understand and what we've been taught is that there are dimensions of each other and one is always dominant over the other, right? So if the, if the heart is alive, the nafs is dead or it's, you know, almost dead. And if the nafs is alive, then the heart, heart is dead. Now, what is contained within the nafs when the nafs is alive is anxiety fears depression darkness uh, manipulation narcissism all these kind of things all these negative traits they're all contained within the nafs right the nafs itself is not necessarily ugly but when the nafs is expanded and the nafs is dominant then these are the behaviors that manifest themselves in the human being and this is what the human being experiences within themselves they experience anxiety depression ugliness you know, inward ugliness, all these kind of things. But when the heart is alive, what you experience is an inward sense of beauty. You experience meaning in everything. There's joy in everything. There's joy in anything, 
right? Even in pain, there can be joy. Even in hardship, there can be joy. There's joy in, um, there's, there's meaning in everything, there's beauty in everything, there's contentment, there's gratitude, there's surrender to the will of Allah. Like when the nafs is dominant, there's, there's a need for control. There's no surrender to the, to the will of Allah when the nafs is dominant. Because when the heart is alive and, and when the nafs is, has died, effectively you're just the root. So you're, you're as, as good as you can be because it just kind of uh, falls into the root. So there's this battle between the heart and the nafs that's always taking place inside of ourselves, right? The key obviously is not to feed the nafs. The more you feed the nafs, the more that you do things that feed the nafs, obviously the, the, the more it grows, the more it expands. You know, like the more you feed your body, obviously the more your stomach expands. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. So when you employ habits that feed the nafs, the nafs starts to grow. And when you employ habits that that kill the nafs then obviously you know the nafs starts to die and the heart starts to grow so obviously this is part of the self-purification and these kind of things right so i started to understand this when he explained this to me i started to understand what had been going on when i even though i was you know speaking the truth as it were and i was speaking out of concern when i was writing those posts and when i was do when i was you know talking to people I was doing it to satisfy my nafs. I wanted to prove the other person wrong. I wanted to, for them to experience the pain that I was experiencing. I wanted them to experience the fear or the terror that I was experiencing. And when that happens, and when I was doing that, all I was actually doing when I, I, I realized, you know, a, a long time afterwards, like a year later, I realized what I had actually been doing was continually feeding my nafs. That's what I had been doing. Before we continue on this video, I just want to invite you to my Discord community. Look, the world has changed and it is changing still. And on my Discord, which is a simple mobile app that you can use, you can stay in touch with other like-minded people like me who are staying informed of the things that are happening around the world that are going to affect our daily lives very, very soon. So come and join me on my Discord community and let's grow together and let's navigate this changing world order together. So even though there was truth in what I was saying and there was good in what I was saying, what it was doing to me inwardly was it was continuing to expand my nest. And eventually what happened was it got so big it just it just strangled my heart and that's where panic attacks come in honestly like if your nafs gets so big you will start to get panic attacks and you will experience very ugly things on the inside that's what happens is because we keep feeding it we, de we develop habits we make decisions about our lives you know in the moment we make a decision and then it, it, we do it once nerf gets fed it then hungers for it more it craves it more and then we keep feeding it we keep feeding that craving and it gets bigger and bigger and then there's no snapping out of it Right, or it becomes very difficult to snap out of it. That's why it's so important to be very careful about what habits we pick in the first place, because eventually the nafs develops a taste for it, and then develops a craving for it, and then you know it, it, there becomes a hunger for it all the time. You're constantly getting cravings, and then you want to do it over and over, and then you you, you stop seeing the danger of it all, because we, you know we almost become you know like gluttonous about it. Right. And that's what has had been going on with me, with my nafs. I'd, I'd just become this person who, who who's nafs had overgrown and eventually got to the point where it strangled my heart, basically. And so I had to learn to basically stop doing that. You know, it, it takes a lot of things. It takes obviously a stick far. Far is very good for the nafs. It takes a changing of habits. Um, I had to change that habit. And some people who've been following me on Facebook, they'll recognize that there came a moment where I said, I'm going to stop being all apocalyptic on my Facebook. I'm going to stop writing in such a way that causes anxiety in other people because I'd actually got to the point where I couldn't even I couldn't even browse Twitter where some people were talking about you know this impending doom and gloom or this impending economy even it became even terrorizing even to me 
because my nafs had, had been expanded so much that actually it was it was actually terrorizing me because that's what the nafs does to you because courage is is in the heart you know where courage actually lies is actually in the heart where ambition and all these things good things lie you know all these good traits they all lie in the heart so the heart actually becomes weak and so you, you, you become cowardly, you become miserly, right? Because the nafs has taken over. And that's what was going on with me. I couldn't even read, read tweets on, on Twitter, you know, talking about e impending economic doom and all these kind of things. Yes, there were contributing biological factors, but a lot of this was my nafs as well. And so I went through a process of, you know, doing istighfars, doing, uh, changing those habits and, and just finding ways to basically calm the nafs down. Right now, the techniques of how to calm the nuts down and these kind of things are a little bit out of the scope of this video. But the main thing that I want to really refer to is when we do things, we're doing them from a place of satisfying our nuts. It's a danger to ourselves. And that's what leads to our own anxiety and our own depression and our own psychosis. Right. And I, I also realized as well that like when I was in social gatherings, I've realized in social gatherings that like if we conduct ourselves, like even if we've got a point to make and the point can be right. I mean, there's, there's so many things to argue about in this day and age. There's so many polarizing topics, right? And you can pick any of those topics. But when, when, when we pick any of those topics and we come from a place of, uh, of trying to satisfy our, our, our nafs when we're speaking to somebody else, what that actually does is it actually invokes their nafs as well, right? So it, it provokes their nafs and then their nafs becomes hungry and then that, their nafs wants to, uh, to satisfy itself. And what actually happens is you just get a warring of nafs. That's all that happens. You just get people, you know, outwardly the way that that manifests is people just hurl insults at each other. They get very personal with each other. Um, people just want to have the last word. They just want to able to destroy the other person. And I'm guilty of this. I was doing this as well, right? It took me a long time to learn this. It took very difficult conversations for me to learn this. Very, like, very painful interactions for me to realize that actually I was the cause of, of these painful interactions myself. I was doing this to myself because I was trying to satisfy my nafs and in doing that, I was provoking the nafs of the other. And this is where, you know, people that are, you know, like they say, the men that are wise, right? People that are wise, people that come with uh, from a place of hikmah, they've probably been through these things themselves and they realize that when you're speaking to others and when we're taught to speak with hik hikmah or to come from a place of wisdom, they actually speak from their heart. And they are very careful not to invoke the nafs of the other. Like they're very careful to speak to the heart of the other person as well. It's, it's an art and it's, it's, an, it's something that they learn over time. They're very careful not to invoke the nafs of the other person. And I, I haven't mastered this at all. I'm still learning how to do this even now. What I have learned uh, what to do is, is not to satisfy my own nafs. Or I'm very careful now not to satisfy my own nafs. In, in when I'm speaking to other people, it's a lot harder in real time. When, when you've got company in, right in front of you in real time, it, you know, you can get carried away with yourself and you don't realize it in the moment. The nafs can deceive us, you know, in the moment. But wise men and wise people, I'm just saying wise men because, it's, you know, it's, it's always a thing that's always been said, wise men. But obviously you can, you get wise women as well. Wise people, they are very careful about how they treat the nafs of the other. And they're very careful or they, they, they try and make sure as much as they can that they can speak to the heart of the other because when you're speaking to the heart of the other, you can, you're actually influencing them. And so when you, when you bring truth to them, it will actually affect them because the heart is where the action is. The heart is where perception is. The heart is where you recognize the beauty of Allah and the wisdom of Allah. So when you're speaking to the heart of the other person, that's when you're going to get them to change if, you, if they need to change, right? But they will teach you something in the process as well because when their heart speaks, all hearts, when they speak, it contains wisdom. I can't get into the, the nitty gritty or the depth of this because I'm still learning myself. 
but there's a lot of knowledge and, and, and talk about in like when you speak to, when you look in the in these books of of wise men they, they say you know that that uh, all the universe is con contained within our hearts that even Allah is contained within within our hearts now I'm not somebody that's an expert on this on this particular part of this conversation so I'm not somebody that can elaborate on this much more it's just something that I've taken on on face value when this is being said it's you know you'd have to go back to these texts to understand this a little bit more than me but it is something that I've understood at a basic level and you know when the heart when you're speaking to the heart of the other when the heart of the other person is activated they're going to have some light to shed on to you as well they're going to have some wisdom to shed on to you and then that becomes a very unique bonding experience it becomes a very satisfying bonding experience it becomes an experience that has a lot of meaning right and that's how we can affect society and that's how we can create change in society as well but there are a lot of us myself included um, and I'm saying this to myself first and foremost I was one of these people even though I had something very important to share the way that I was sharing it was only in in a way that was satisfying my nafs and, and unfortunately that's dangerous and you know this reminds me of two other things one is the story of of uh, Yunus alayhi salam right uh, surah Yunus in which my understanding of this is that he went through a very similar process that he was very distraught with the people even though he brought the truth to them and then Allah taught him by, you know, when he was thrown off the bow and he was uh, kept in a whale. This is my understanding of this. I'm not, I'm not an expert, Yunus alayhi salam. Um, but this is my understanding of what we're supposed to learn from, from his story and what we're supposed to take from that. Is that even though he had the truth, he was cynical of the people. And he was distraught with them. And Allah wanted him not to be like that with them. That he has to approach them with wisdom. And so I, that's what I take from this from this story. But I've noticed this, this even in children. If you notice, parents will always say to you that, you know, if a child is agitated and if a, if a child is bothered, you want to get through to them. But if you do it, you know, you do it when you come from a place of anger or agitation. If you're agitated, right, because the child is essentially all enough. So what happens is you end up agitating the child and the child ends up just doing the very thing that you didn't want them to do. Because we come from a place of agitation and we end up invoking the nafs of the child. You see this very pronouncedly on toddlers. And so what we have to do is approach the child with wisdom and, you know, either distract them or just speak to them very calmly. I've had to learn, like, when, when my child does something that's just really bad for him, right, and really bad for, for us or for, bad for us in the house, I've noticed that I get quite loud and I get quite agitated and he picks up on my energy very, very quickly and then he reacts in completely... The, the wrong way he reacts in a way that is completely the you know it's the polar opposite of the way that I wanted him to react and I'm having to learn and teach myself that if I lower my own energy and try not to kind of you know punish him in the process in the way that I'm speaking but if I approach him from my heart and I approach him with love and I approach him with calmness and and I, and I see the beauty in him and I recognize that in him that um, he will actually respond really well. And, I, and I've noticed him do this many times and I've seen other children do this as well. And that's a good example in children for us. I think it, one of the ways that we can teach ourselves is, is to interact with children more and see how they respond to us. And learn, you know, all adults, fortunately or unfortunately, many of us adults, all of us included, we're still, a lot of us are still children in adults' bodies. And so we need to learn to speak to people in the same way. It's just approach them with some you know, in a, in a manner that's delicate and in a manner that recognizes them for who they are, that there's wisdom in everybody, that there's 
ambition, courage, intellect, there's light in everybody and we have to see the light in other people. We can't just tell ourselves that everybody has darkness in them and everybody has, everybody is all nuts and we are the only truth tellers and we have been sent as the saviors of Allah. It's unfortunately very, very dangerous and I've suffered the consequences of that. So I'm sharing this with you to save you from everything I myself went through.